0: Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. Let's go to the word of God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to take a look at the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 6, St. Luke chapter 6, amen. I believe that in these times that God is stretching his people, stretching us to a new level of faith a new level of miracles. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight. St. Luke chapter six, going to begin reading at verse number five, down through the 11th verse. St. Luke chapter six, verses five through 11. It reads, and he said unto them, that the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught and there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their faults and said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it. And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and communed with one another what they might do to Jesus. We want to focus our attention on the command that he gives to the man with the withered hand. In verse number 10, stretch forth thy hand. I want to speak to you on the subject, stretching for my miracle. Amen. Stretching for my miracle. Turn to somebody and tell them I'm stretching for my miracle. Amen. A fourth subtitle, it's stretching time. Would you lift your hands? Father, we love you. And we thank you, dear God, that you are a miracle worker. There is nothing too hard for you. And tonight, God, as we gather in this house, we pray that stretching faith would be released all over this house. And as we stretch, we ask you to release miracles tonight heal, deliver, set free, provide open doors that no man could shut. We thank you for what you're going to do through your word. And when it is done, we'll give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Stretching for my miracle. There are some things that we can never receive from God until we are willing to engage in a stretch. In other words, there will be some godly blessings and benefits that will surround us simply because of the grace that he bestows upon us as his children. But on the other hand, there are greater blessings, miracles, and healing that we will never receive until we are willing to extend ourselves and go after them. Yes.
1: Amen. Yeah, come
0: on. While we are living in a day when we in the church claim that we desire the blessings of God.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It has become apparent that we are not really willing to stretch out and do what is absolutely necessary in order to obtain them. We seem to want an easy and convenient blessing. We want the blessing delivered to us and downloaded on our computer. We want a microwave, FedEx, emailed, instant, pop-up, Facebook Live, Instagram, live chatted and tweeted blessings. The kind of blessing where God shows up and delivers us the blessing according to our declaration without us having to engage in a stretch. We have become name it, claim it babies. Desiring babies without labor. We want titles without process. Blessings without sacrifice and the receiving of favor without the giving of our substance. We want all of these blessings without ever having to extend ourselves and go beyond the norm and the ordinary. But as much as we may desire to have it that way, I dare still say to you tonight that there are some blessings that we will not receive until we are willing to stretch. Turn to your neighbor real quick and tell him you're going to have to stretch for this one. (laughs) Oh, yes, you're going to have to stretch for this one. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That word diligently, it means with earnest and sincere desire. So in other words, God is ready, and God is willing, and God is even looking for somebody to bless. But he wants to bless somebody that wants him more than they want anything else. Oh my God. Somebody that wants him more, amen, than popularity. Somebody that wants him more than the applause of men. Somebody that wants him more than pimped up rides and MTV cribs. That wants him more than bling, bling and cha-ching. That wants him more than lips, hips, fingertips, thighs and eyes. That wants him more than pecs and biceps and triceps. Somebody that wants God so bad that they are willing to do what is absolutely necessary in order to obtain the blessing. I wonder if I got anybody in the house that really wants God. And God is looking for somebody who wants them so bad that they are willing to stretch. And I found out that as much as we may not like the fact that he demands that we stretch, the God that we serve deserves the right to demand it because he is the God the stretch. Oh yes, it was this God of the stretch who came to Job in the midst of his trial and said, Job where were you when I stretched out the north over an empty place and hung the earth out on nothing. It was this God of the stretch who came to Moses and the children of Israel when they were standing at the Red Sea and the army of Pharaoh was behind them. He said, Moses, stretch out your rod. The Bible says he stretched it out. The waters departed and they walked across on dry ground. He is the God of the stretch. It was this God of the stretch who came to Joshua and the children of Israel when they found themselves in the heat of a battle. They needed more daylight in order to get the victory. So God took a 24-hour day and stretched it out for 48 hours until they got the victory. He is the God of the stretch. It was this God of the stretch who came to a woman at Zarephath. The Bible says it was during a time of famine. And she and her sons, all they had was a little bit of meal. They were going to bake a cake and they were going to die. But the man of God said, hey, woman, make me a cake first. Yeah. In obedience and faith, she baked the man of God a cake. And the Bible says that God took that meal and he stretched it out until it never ran out. He is the God of the stretch. Glory to God, it was this God of the stretch who came to another sister, a Shunammite woman. Come on. The Bible tells me. That the bill collectors had arrived at her house and were knocking on her door. They said, if you don't pay us, we're going to take your sons into slavery. The Bible says the man of God showed up and said, sister, what do you have? She said, all I have is this little pot of oil. He said, go on out and borrow some vessels and don't just borrow a few of them. The Bible says that she went and borrowed the vessels and the man of God blessed the oil and she started pouring it out and pouring it and filled up the vessels and God stretched it so far that she paid off all of her bill collectors. He is the God of the stretch. My God, it was this God of the stretch. Who in the form of his son Jesus. Looked out over a multitude of people. Yeah. They had been following him. into in the wilderness. And the Bible says they were hungry. And Jesus turns to Andrew and says. Hey what do you have? He said all we have. Is this few loaves of bread and some fish. To make a few fish sandwiches. He said give them to me. Come on. He reached up into heaven. And blessed it. Yes, he did. Sent the disciples out. The Bible says the people ate and were full. But you know what this God of the stretch had the nerve to do? He sent out the ushers to take an offering. My God. And by the time he came back, he had 12 basketfuls. Glory to God. He is the God of the stretch. Hallelujah. And he says, if you really want a miracle, if you really want to be blessed, you've got to be willing to in a stretch. Somebody lift your hands and shout, stretch! Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And that would be the command that Jesus would give to a man in the synagogue who found himself in need of healing, as is recorded in our text in St. Luke chapter 6. By the time we come to our story, the tide of opposition toward the ministry of Jesus was now beginning to rise more and more. And at the center of the controversy that his haters held against him was this whole issue of the Sabbath day. You see, by Jesus' day, the Pharisees had created some 39 strict laws regarding the Sabbath, and these rules stood at the top and were viewed to be the most holy of all of their rules. These rules, they were both meticulous, and I dare say ridiculous, Concerning what people could and could not do on the Sabbath and what was considered to be work and what was not considered to be work. For example, if you were a tailor working in your shop and the Sabbath day was coming, you literally had to put down your needle before the Sabbath day. Because the needle was considered to be a work instrument. Therefore, if you held on to this needle on the Sabbath day, you were in violation of the rules. Yes. Suppose you were chilling at the house and one of the tools that you had standing against the wall fell to the floor. You would literally have to wait until the Sabbath was over in order to pick it up. Because if you picked up the tool, you were carrying a work instrument. Therefore, you were in violation of the Sabbath. They even went as far as to determine whether somebody was wearing something or whether somebody was carrying something. You know, suppose you had one of those brooches that people like to wear. The priest would literally look at you and decide whether you were wearing the brooch or whether you were carrying the brooch they would look at a woman who was wearing a wig and they would decide if she was wearing the wig or was she carrying the wig? Was the brother wearing the toupee? Or was he carrying the toupee? Was sister wearing the weeds? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. But anyway, you you guys understand what, what I'm saying. All of these unnecessary and crazy kind of rules that caused religion to fill the synagogue. Everything was about their laws. Everything was about their rules. So you can imagine the kind of tension that would come when an itinerant preacher by the name of Jesus would show up in the synagogue and start preaching a radical message. Well, that's the kind of tension, that's the kind of stage that was set for one of the greatest miracles recorded in the pages of Scripture. The miracle that is recorded by three of the four Gospels that talk about the man who had a withered hand. However, what was worse than the fact that this man had a withered hand is that in order for him to receive his miracle, he had to press through a group of people who had withered hearts. Now, Jesus, he would eventually order this man to engage in an act of faith. He would tell him to stretch for his hand. So I want us to journey through this text tonight. We want to talk about the day. We will talk about the damage. And we will talk about the distraction. And then we'll talk about the deliverance. Are you all with me tonight? Say amen. First of all, the Amen. Turn to somebody real quick and tell them don't miss this moment. Our scripture opens up with Jesus making a statement. He said, the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath day, it was considered to be a day of rest and observance that was set aside for the worship of God. Now understand that in its original intent, it was literally established to be a good thing. Somebody say a good thing. <laughs> the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that after God had created the heavens and the earth, after he had scooped man out of the dust of the earth, the Bible says that on the seventh day, God rested. Yes. Now understand, God did not need to rest. Mm-hmm. Come on. He is God. He didn't need a day off. He didn't need a massage, a protein shake, a vitamin B shot, a testosterone boost, or a glass of Gatorade. No, he he, he is God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Psalms 121, that he that keepeth Israel, he neither slumbers nor does he sleep. Isaiah said, has thou not known, and has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is he weary. So God did not need to rest. But what God was doing was establishing a principle for us that would help us to maintain physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual health. It is a principle that is called the six-to-one principle. Somebody say six-to-one. What does that mean? That means that God has designed us in such a way that if we are to maintain a fullness of health, then for every six days of work, our bodies require at least one day of rest. Amen. I don't care who you are. How young you are, how old you are, how experienced you are, or how inexperienced you are. If you violate that principle, you are going to suffer in one way or another. Amen. You may be anointed and appointed. Got a double dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Spiritual and powerful. But if you violate that principle, it is going to affect you in one way or another. My God, have mercy. You may be a super saint. Amen. Faster than a speeding deacon more powerful than a missionary able to leap tall demons in a single bout but if you don't get your crazy self some rest it is going to affect you in one way or another my God y'all are quiet tonight but this is good preaching And I'm afraid that there are some people even in this house tonight, you're having trouble getting along with people, you're having trouble on your job, you're having trouble on your church, at your church, amen, and you think that it might be everybody else and everything around you. Well, I come by to tell you what you might just need is to get yourself some rest. Turn to your neighbor real quick and tell him you might just need some rest, amen. That's right, you might just need some rest, amen You don't need another church You've already been to every church in town You just might need some rest You don't need to keep switching jobs My God, you might just need some rest You don't need a new house or a new husband or a new wife You already got Judge Maybelline from divorce court on speed dial No, you just might need to set yourself aside And get yourself some But by the time we come to the story, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had taken a good thing that God had established called the Sabbath, filled it with human rules, and corrupted it with a case of bad religion. We take human rules and add it to what God has established, making it more difficult for people. We corrupt things with a bad case of bad religion. My God have mercy. Amen. I don't know if any of y'all grew up in the Pentecostal church, but you might know what I'm talking about. Amen. We took holiness and made it something that nobody wanted. remember what I'm talking about? (laughs) When you were growing up in the Pentecostal church, my God, if you were a man, you had two rules. (laughs)
1: Look
0: spiritual and pay your tithes. And you were (laughs) said, but sisters, y'all couldn't do nothing. (laughs) Two rules for the men and a hundred. For the women. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, y'all couldn't straighten your hair. You couldn't wear pants. You couldn't wear jewelry. You could not wear makeup. I mean, y'all ladies had to kind of roll out of bed and say, let's see how bad I can look today. My God, and go about your business. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My God, but thank God for a new day. Somebody say praise the Lord. <laughs> Bishop, I heard somebody preaching the other day saying, let's go back to the old-time way. I said, you can go by yourself. The devil is alive, <laughs> amen, <laughs> But that's what happens when we take human rules and try to apply them to something that God has already established in his word through his grace and through his love, amen. And let me say this, one of the deadliest powers on the face of this earth is bad religion. Oh yeah, ISIS kills in the name of bad religion. The Twin Towers in New York came crashing down on 9-11 because of bad religion. Even the Ku Klux Klan claims to be a Christian organization, a case of bad religion. My God, you see, when you got bad religion, you can smile at me on Sunday and talk about me on Monday. When you got bad religion, amen, you can say you love Jesus, who you have never seen, and hate your brother or your sister, who you see every day, simply because of the color of their skin. When you got bad religion... My God, you can smile and act like everything and you love everybody, but be full of dead man's bones. But I got some, I wonder if I got somebody in the house that has more than religion. Oh my God. Turn your neighbor real quick and tell him I got Relationship. That's right, I got relationship. When you got relationship, it'll make you love everybody. When you got relationship, it'll even make you bless your enemies and pray for them that despitefully use you. When you got relationship, glory to God, it don't make any difference where they come from, who they are. You just love everybody. Glory to God. When you got relationship, it'll make you praise God. When you don't feel like praising them, oh, glory to God. Thank God for relationship. What has happened? Mm. Come on. By the time Jesus in this story takes place, bad religion had filled the synagogue. Oh. Mm. Yes. Hypocrites, yes. Mm-hmm. religious people judging and looking at each other funny. Yes. Come on. That's it, right? But you know what I love about Jesus? Mm. And what I love about this man with the withered hand yes. Come on. is that even though they knew that the synagogue was not quite perfect. Every Sabbath, they still got up and went to church. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Would you turn to somebody real quick and tell them, I just have to come to church. Yeah, that's right. I got to come to church. Amen. The church may not be perfect, but I still have to come to church. Hallelujah. Everybody may not like me, but that's all right. I still have to come to church. Glory to God. There might be some hypocrites in the house, but that's all right. Jesus had a church of 12, and one of those turned out to be a hypocrite. So if one of our every 12 is a hypocrite, we're not, gonna, we're not doing any worse. So I still have to come to church. Glory to God. As a matter of fact, if you don't like the way I'm worshiping you better move to the other side of the church because I'm going to be in the house because I know that God is here and I'm going to still come to church so they kept coming Jesus and the man with the withered hand kept showing up and I believe that both of them had different motives Jesus kept showing up because I believe that in his heart he believed that if I keep preaching there might just be somebody there that might receive what I have to say. But for that man with the withered hand I believe that his motive was different. He kept saying in the back of his mind that if I just keep showing up Sabbath after Sabbath that maybe just maybe this just might be my day hallelujah would you turn to somebody real quick and tell them today is your day Oh my God, today is your day. I don't know who I'm talking to in this house right now, but you've been in the waiting room. You've been praying. You've been fasting. Well, God sent me all the way from Tennessee to tell you that today is your day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You've been waiting. You've been praying. You've been believing God. Well, today is your day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know the devil has told you you're going to have to wait. That is never going to happen. devil is a liar tonight today is your day my god can you see that man with the withered hand the religious people were saying hey today is the sabbath day you're gonna have to come back tomorrow but jesus said no baby i am lord of the sabbath and if i say today is your day it is going to be your day somebody praise him because today Today is your day for a miracle. Today is your day for your healing. Today is your day for your breakthrough. Today is your day for God to open up a door that no man could shut. Today is your day for the heavens to open. Glory to God and for him to pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. You have prayed. You have waited. You have longed for it. And God is going to make it happen. Today is your day somebody in here lift your hands right now and receive it in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Today is your day. So we've talked about the day. But let me move on. Because not only must I talk to you about the day, but let's talk about the damage. The Bible says, on this particular Sabbath, that there was a man whose right hand was withered. The word withered, it literally means dried up and deformed. The word describes that which once held life, but now the life is gone. That which was once strong is now fragile and weak. That which was once beautiful has now become twisted and deformed. Dried. Up. Like a business that has run out of finances. Yes. Like a vision that has gone to sleep. Yes. Dried up. Yes. Like a dream that has died. Come on. A ministry that is weary and lifeless. Come on. Like a career that has been surrounded by roadblocks. Yes. Come on. Dried up like a marriage that has gone from wedlock to deadlock and from the ideal to an ordeal, dried up. The Bible says his hand was withered. Hands represent the extension of our being. Practically every profession, our expertise, and our knowledge is expressed by the use of our hands. We think with our brains, but we act with our hands. Nurses administer care and healing with their hands. Surgeons perform surgery with their hands. Carpenters and construction workers build and construct with their hands. Computer techs work on computers. Artists paint and express their ideas. Writers create their books with their hands. Fighters knock out their opponents. Accountants keep track of money. Architects and engineers lay out the plans for buildings and cities with their hands. Janitors and maintenance people clean and maintain. Musicians play music. Athletes catch and throw. Police officers direct traffic. And preachers even talk with our hands. Back in the day, when somebody was really getting on your nerves, you would tell them to talk to
1: them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Y'all too spiritual for me. (laughs) (laughs) But now, the devil had attacked this man in such a way that 50% of his ability to produce 50% of his ability to express himself Mm. and become dried up. He must have felt like a half man. If he was a woman, he would have felt like a half woman. You see, I've been alive long enough to find out that there are some events and things that can happen to you along the course of your life that can dry you up in such a way yes,
1: they can. that they
0: leave you feeling less yes. than whole. Yes. So true. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So true. I'm all. Feeling like you'll never measure up. Come feeling on. like you'll never be the same. My God, can you see this man walking around with his withered hand, 50% of his ability Come on. to be the person that God had created? It felt like it was taken away, but watch this because... The Bible didn't just say that his hand was withered. It said his right hand was withered. And that's important. Yes,
1: that
0: is. As a matter of fact, let me take a quick poll. How many left handed folk do I have in the house tonight? Okay, y'all look around. You see? Y'all are special. Better <laughs> According to statistics, only 10% of the population around the world are left-handers. As a matter of fact, if you're here and your son is left-handed, teach him how to throw a baseball. Okay. And when he signs his contract with the Washington Nationals, make sure he pays his tithe. <laughs> 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 and also send a check to Lee Ministers for my <laughs> consultation and advice. <laughs> <to> <laughs> Right-handedness and the fact that it's mentioned here is significant because in the Bible days and even in the Middle East today, the left hand is considered to be a place of weakness and curses. If you guys look at some of the stories that Christ told, the parables about the people with talent and those who were lazy, he said, depart from me to my left hand and to eternal torment. But for those that were faithful, he said, enter into my right hand into the joys of the Lord. After Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, the Bible says he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. The place of authority. So the left hand is considered to be a place of cursing. But the right hand is considered to be a place of power and authority. So what the enemy did to this brother is he attacked him in such a manner that he literally dried up his place of strength. Yes, yes. Amen. You know, when I was a younger Christian, I always thought that the enemy wanted to attack me in my area of weakness. No, come on. But now that the years have gone by, Uh what I found out is that what he is really after is my place of strength.
1: That's true.
0: You see, if he attacks me in my area of weakness and I start falling, I can just reach up and grab onto my place of strength and brace myself. But if he ever hits me in the area that I never thought he would be able to get his hands on, the place of my strength, the place where my heart is, the place where I was able to look at the devil like MC Hammer and say, devil, you can't touch this. <laughs> You know that place always had a strong marriage always had a strong family. Always had my finances together always had my business together if the enemy ever hit me in that place Not only do I start falling, but I don't have anything to reach up on to grab on and to brace myself So not only do I start falling, but I start reeling Somebody in here knows what I'm talking about because you've been coming to church and you had things together But the enemy hits you right in the place of your strength and you're coming and smiling and people have no idea that not only have have you fallen, but you have been really? Months, Days, years. And it seems like you have nothing upon which you can grab onto. My God, and that is exactly where that man is. The enemy had literally hit him in his strong place. His right hand, 50% of his ability to, to express himself, had now been taken away. Can you see him showing up in the synagogue, service after service? My God. With his dried up dream, his dried up vision, his dried up finances, his dried up business, his dried up career, his dried up job, his dried up income. My God, but watch how God works. Because on this particular day, the man with the dried up situation arrives in the synagogue. And it just happened to be the day that an itinerant preacher from Nazareth showed up to preach. The same preacher who had said to them that I am the water of life good God have mercy glory to God hallelujah it was this same Jesus who came to a woman at Samaria and said honey you've been sipping Bud Light for too long but if you drink of the water that I have to give you shall never thirst again the same Jesus who on the day of the feast said if you believe on me as the scripture said out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water the man with the dried up hand is about to come in contact with the water of life. Glory to God. Somebody shout water! Good God, have mercy. I come by to tell somebody, get ready, because God is about to pour water on that dried up situation. I know the devil told you that it was over, but the devil is a liar. The devil told you that you would never recover, but the devil is a liar. I have come tonight in the spirit of Elijah to tell you the, the drought is over. Glory to God. Would you turn to somebody and tell them the drought is over? i come in the spirit of Elijah. I'm looking above your head, and I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, and I declare that I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Get ready, hallelujah. The drought is about to end. Oh, somebody lift those hands and give God a praise right now. The drought is over. I said the drought is over. The drought is over. Water's about to break forth in your wilderness and streams in your desert. The drought is over. Get ready, hallelujah! The water of life is in the house right now. Come on,
1: come on! Hallelujah! Glory, glory!
0: Whenever water falls where there is a drought, it reverses the damage of the drought. Things start growing where they were not growing before. The water, that, the ground that was dried up and crackly now becomes moist and starts to bring forth fruit. I come by to tell somebody that the windows of heaven are about to open. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And the rain is about to fall on your situation. Would you turn to three people and tell them the drought is over? Yes, it is. But well, let me move on. Because we talked about the day, we talked about the damage. Now let's talk about the distraction. Come on. Turn to somebody else and tell them, don't be distracted." You see, the devil is a master of distraction. Matter of fact, his name is Satan. It means the opposer, yes. the obstructor. Yes. So he specializes yes. in trying to block us through distraction oh, yes. from receiving what God would have for us. But yes. listen opposition will always come yes, before your miracle. See, we got this thing all wrong. Yeah. We, we think that, you know, we just got to show up with our faith, you know, we name it and claim it, and grab it and have it, mark it and park it. Come on. Declare it and wear it, you know. Come on. Come on. And, <laughs> and we think that the devil's going to hear our declaration, Come on. Yeah. get afraid pack up his bags along with his little imp children, get on a plane, and go to the Bahamas
1: while you get your miracle.
0: No, that's not how it works. The closer you get to your breakthrough, the closer you get to your miracle, the more the enemy is going to try to bring opposition to try to stop you. Here's what happened to some of us we, we make our declaration and we start moving toward our miracle. start moving and walking in our vision. As soon as opposition comes, we take that as a sign that God's not in it. Amen. Just the opposite. That's right. yes, you're right. One yeah. of the ways you know Amen. that is God is that when you step out, the enemy is going to start fighting with everything oh, that he has. Oh, but you've got to make up your mind that in spite of the enemy and his opposition, that I will not be Distracted. Yes. Yes. Listen, if you are the kind of person that has to have perfect conditions before you get a miracle, you will never get a miracle. Amen. Amen. You gotta be able to function and adjust in the midst of opposition, yeah. in the midst of testing, in the midst of the wind that is blowing against you, you got to decide that right in the middle of opposition, I'm talking about with the devil sitting on my right and his mother in law sitting on my left, I refuse to be bound and I will not be distracted. My God, one more time, turn to your neighbor, tell him don't be distracted. You see, I found out. That there are some people in this world yeah. who just like to see others dried up. Oh, Come on. Yeah. 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 Come
1: on.
0: So therefore, when they see you
1: yes.
0: moving toward your miracle, oh,
1: yes. Come
0: on. they get an attitude. So, for somebody in the house who have been waiting and praying and believing God for your breakthrough, you need to be prepared to deal with opposition. Oh, yes. Come on. And I need to warn you about something. will come. And that is where your opposition may come from. Yes. Don't be surprised.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: Jesus is in the house. The man with the withered hand is about to have a collision with the God who sat on the water of life. Everything is set up for a miracle. And now gee, now they're about to experience opposition. Look at verse number 7. Is that up there? And it says, so the gangbangers... Gangbangers... Yeah. <laughs> the prostitutes,
1: <laughs>
0: the drug dealers, drug addicts, liars, and thieves. I'm, I'm sorry. No, that's, that's, that's not what it says. <laughs> <laughs> Come on.
1: Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on preach.
0: <laughs> it says, and the scribes yeah, and the Pharisees. Yeah. Hold up. Hold up. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah. So you're trying to tell me. This man's about to get a miracle, and his opposition did not come from outside the church. No, it came from inside the church. Some of your greatest battles in life are not going to come from outside the church. Sometimes they're going to come from inside the house. Are you hearing me? You see, not everybody that shows up here knows Jesus. There are some people that just have religion and they're miserable. And misery loves company. Therefore, when they see you with joy and see you moving forward in the things of God, they're going to get an attitude and try to block you. Listen to what David said. Psalms 55, verse number 6. He said, Oh, that I had the wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I said, David, why are you talking like that? But then I got down to verse number 12, I believe, and this is what he said. He said, It was not my enemies that reproached me, for then I could have borne it. Neither was it him that hated Me that didn't magnify themselves against me, for then I could have hid myself from them. But it was you, a man of my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together, we walked into the house of God in company, and you are the one that wounded me and tried to block me. My God, have mercy! It came from right in the house of God. But I come by to tell you do not let the hypocrites in the house run you from the church. There's a difference between religious people and Christian people. Don't let the religious people run you from a good ministry and run you from your vision and run you from your miracle. you got to decide, my God, I, I know that this is where God has called me and I know that this is what God has to do. And whether you like it or not, I'm going to plant my feet and get my miracle and get my deliverance right in the middle of our position. I will not be distracted. To my final point.
1: Come
0: on. We talked about the day. We talked about the damage. We talked about the distraction. Yes. And now let's talk about the deliverance. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and act like you work for Domino's Pizza and tell him he still delivers.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he still delivers. God is still in the delivering business. Anybody glad about it? So, the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. And I like what the Bible says in verse number 8. It says, but he knew their thoughts. He He knew it. So Jesus, in other words, Jesus looked around. That I know what y'all are yeah,
1: there
0: you go. <laughs> uh-huh. He said, but what you've got to understand is that your thoughts will neither affect my power nor my actions.
1: Okay. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is not bad preaching for Wednesday night, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm about to help somebody right now. Listen. Listen. As long as you were sitting around overly concerned about what people are going to think, oh Come on. you will never do anything for the kingdom. Yeah, as long as you're sitting around with your finger in the wind, trying to find which way the opinions are blowing, oh you will never accomplish anything for God. My God, because I found out that no matter what you do, People are always going to have an opinion. And there are some of us right now, we can't function in our ministry. We can't praise God like we're supposed to. We can't go forward and do what God has told us to do because we're afraid of the opinion of people. Yeah, we're afraid somebody's going to remind us of where we came from. Somebody's going to say to us we're not qualified. Somebody's going to look at us funny while we worship. My God, and you are bound and stuck and all dried up because you won't move because you're concerned about the opinion of people. My God, people are always going to have an opinion no matter what you do. Drive a big car. They're going to call you extravagant. Get a small car, they're going to call you cheap. Always going to have something to say. Dress up, they're going to call you flashy. Come on. Dress down, they're going to call you a bum. They're always going to have something to say. Move into this neighborhood. You know they should have stayed where they were. Stay where you are. You know they need to move somewhere. They're always going to have something to say. My God, if you're friendly, they're going to call you a flirt. Back up. They're going to call you stuck up. They're always going to have something to say. That's why you got to make up your mind that you are just going to please God, my God, and just go for your deliverance. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And stop being only concerned about the opinion of people because I found out that God doesn't have a committee meeting with people before he decides to bless me. In the house, we've been delivered from drugs and alcohol and, and, and lust and all kinds of things, but there, and, and now we're in the church and we need to get delivered from the opinion of people. Come on. Thank,
1: you. Thank you. And I like the way Jesus handles this. Come
0: on. But the Bible says that the scribes and the Pharisees were watching whether he would heal on the Sabbath, and he knew their thoughts. And basically he turned to them and said, Hey, you hypocrites. See, if you'll show up like, like Jesus showed you and uh-huh, he'll handle the hypocrites. Oh. He said, is it good for me to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save a life or to lose a life? And I like the way he does this because he could have walked over to the guy with the withered hand and said, hey, 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 bro, let me, let me holler at you for a second.
1: Come back tomorrow.
0: He said, listen, I want to deliver you, right? want to take care of this problem that you have with your hand, but you know, all of these haters yes. Come on. are here, and they're kind of watching, and I don't want to offend them, so I'll tell you what, why don't we slip out this side door over here away from your haters? and we'll shut the door and you know I'll make it do what it do, you know
1: Come
0: That's not what he did. He said, right in the middle of these religious people, right in the center of your haters, he turns to the man with the withered hand and says, Stand up! Somebody shout, "Stand Stand up! My God, have mercy. He said, listen here, I am not going to move you away from your haters, but what I'm going to do is I'm gonna work a miracle right in front of your haters. My God, right in front of the folk that said you would never amount to anything. Right in front of the folk who said you would never graduate. Right in front of the people who said your daddy was no good and your mama was no good. So you're gonna be no good just like them. Just like the very folk that said, you would never be blessed. You are down and you'll always be down. You came from the wrong side of the track. Jesus says, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Can I make a confession to y'all? I love those times when God blesses me behind closed doors. You know what I'm talking about? You know the secret miracles. But I got to confess that I also love it when he blesses me right now. In front of my haters. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. When he does like the psalmist and prepares a table before me right in the presence of my enemies. Hallelujah. And check this out. You ain't had a good meal until you've eaten it in front of somebody that didn't want you to have it. Oh, glory to God. You talk about joy unspeakable when they said you wouldn't be blessed. And God said, I'll bless you anyhow. It's time for somebody to stand up right in the midst of your opposition, right in front of your haters. God is saying, stand up. Yes, Lord. I ain't got to block folk from Facebook. I want them to watch this come up live and in person. Glory to God. I want them to sit there and see God bless me when they said I wouldn't be blessed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He says, stand up. He said, before I change your condition, I want you to change your position. Sitting down represents defeat, discouragement, the receiving of bad news but standing up represents a position of readiness. I come by to tell somebody in the name of Jesus, stand up, get ready. God is about to perform your miracle. Glory to God, it's time to rise up on your feet and get ready, he's about to bless you. Glory to God, he says, stand up. Stand up. And then Jesus does something strange. He turns to the man with the withered hand and says, stretch forth. Your hand. Yes. Why was that strange, Preacher? Mm-hmm. The reason why it was strange is because we have diagnosed the man's condition as having a withered, dried up hand. Yes. There is no stretch in his hand. Come on. Bones were dried up. Come on. Skin was dried up. Come on. Nerves, capillaries, muscles, everything was arteries, everything was dried up, no stretch yes. in his hand, Come on. but yet God is calling him to do something that he did not have within himself the ability to do. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Has anybody in here yeah. <laughs> yeah. ever had God Come on. tell you to do something? that you did not have within yourself the ability to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He'll tell you to do a ministry and you don't have the people. He'll tell you to do something and you don't have the finances. He'll tell you to start a ministry. You don't have the connections. You don't have the ability. You don't have the education, but yet you hear him saying, stretch. What does it mean when the God of power and authority tells you to do something beyond yourself? what it means is that he who has commanded you to do it will provide everything that you need and all the power that you need in order to get the job done that's why Paul said I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength that's why he said now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us glory to God if y'all don't mind me using my imagination this is what I believe happened I believe that when Jesus spoke those words stretch glory to God that stretch left the bosom of Jesus glory to God left his mouth floated through the air and began to touch that man's hand all of a sudden skin that was dried up starts coming back to life all of a sudden bones start crackling that had been all dried up nerves start jumping and muscles start leaping and before you knew it the man that could not stretch forth his hand began to stretch hallelujah come by to tell the church get ready it is stretching time the world needs a church that has a stretching faith it's time to stretch for our miracle stretch for our community stretch for our city stretch for our state stretch for our world stretch for our families stretch for our sons stretch for our daughters in the name of Jesus stretch Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.